podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I heard from my sister's friend's cousin that Kohl's has the lowest prices of the season and had to see for myself. For real, the deals are so good. I got my kids' summer tees for $5.99, a cute swimsuit for myself for $17.99, and a shark vacuum for $199.99, which will be great after Sandy Beach Days. I got Kohl's cash, too, and I got it all in less than an hour with free store pickup. So, yeah, summer, I'm ready for you. Select styles ends May 23rd. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated, and right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Hello and welcome to the Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Home. Hope you're all keeping well, looking after yourselves. I know it's probably not been the easiest couple of months being a red, especially after the result against City. But what we're going to try and do tonight, we're going to look at some of the narratives that have come out off the back of that game. Do Liverpool need to freshen up? If so, what business needs to be done? And what does the future look like under FSG in a, in a kind of post-COVID world? But before we bring the lads in, a quick shout out to our sponsor, footballprizes.co.uk. They have some quality prizes up on the website at the moment, including a classic Palmer shirt, Keith, which oh, is uh, right up your fan. street. Right? Big fan. Um, so all you have to do, just log on to the website, buy a ticket. They're super cheap um, and, and you'll be in a, in a draw to, to try and win the prizes. So make sure... You go check them out. And tonight we have joining me three of the famous back four, fat back four, Gav, Keith, Shawnee. I wish you were talking to me under better circumstances, lads, but we're going to we're gonna shoot the breeze. We're going to get into it. But there's only really one place that we can start. And I'm going to come to you, Gav. The news that Jurgen Klopp sadly lost his mum today uh, or over the last couple of weeks, you know, it's it's been... Uh, it's been a shock to us all, especially when you consider everything that he's kind of been through over the last couple of weeks from a football sense. Um, terribly sad news. Yeah, unbelievably sad news. And I, I'm going to be honest, I've seen this, was it around the Burnley game? And people yeah. were saying she was unwell and he, he wasn't might going to, to be there. Yeah, he wasn't going to be there. You might need to travel to Germany and, and, and see her or be with her or stuff like that. And and. That kind of went away, and I thought that's just a rumor that's going around. Then it came out today that she, um, his mother has passed away, and it looks like it was probably nine or ten days ago when it happened. Am I right? Um, a days after the Burnley game, I think. Yeah, so um, very, very sad news. I think on, on not only to lose your mother, but to not be able to travel back to, to Germany for the funeral or anything that must be extremely difficult for him. And and you know we've seen. Um, Jürgen Klopp, a little bit of a change in Jürgen Klopp over the last couple of weeks and a lot of people put it down to f- football and results and stuff like that but clearly um, the death of his mother has had and quite rightfully so has had a massive impact on him so um, yeah our condolences to him and, and his family and and hopefully um, hopefully he gets back to Germany at some stage soon to, to see his family you know and, and, and to remember his mother so yeah very very sad news today Shawnee, it kind of puts into perspective. There's been a lot of kind of sniping a Klopp over the last couple of weeks. Uh, look, we can all hold our hands up. He, he hasn't seemed himself. 
but it does kind of put everything into perspective now that he's been able to dust himself off and, and keep keep going when all this stuff's been going on in the background. Absolutely. And one kind of drum that Klopp has banged since the start of the season is about his players not being robots. Well, this is just an example of a human being being human. Uh, Klopp is so enigmatic and we do hold him as kind of like a godlike figure around Liverpool since he's came in, everything he's done, he's lifted the whole city, so to speak, um, the football club, definitely. You forget at the end of the day that Klopp is someone's father, he's someone's brother and he's someone's son. So, And at the end of the day, he's human behind it all. At the end of the day, he goes home to his wife, he goes home to his kids. He lives a normal life like us just at home. And to lose a loved one so close in the best of times is, is difficult. But right now, when you can't be with your family, you can't be with them. It's terrible. Um, I've read books um, about Klopp talking about him and how, how much of a family man he is and how close he is to his family and like that. From what I read today is reports in Germany that he hasn't seen his man in close to a year because of the pandemic between he didn't know what was going on with Liverpool and couldn't get home to see her. So it must be absolutely devastating for him. Absolutely devastating. Like There's never a good time to lose a loved one. There's always a bad one and I couldn't think of a worse time and I, I can only share <clears> the <throat> sentiments with Gav that my thoughts and condolences go out to his family and himself. This must be a very, very difficult time. One thing that's killing me, Keith, is I would love him to be coming to a full Anfield. You know, he's got the full support of the fans. I think he, he probably needs us at this time because he probably feels a little bit on his own. Uh, he, he's certainly a manager that excels when uh, feeding off the emotion of a crowd. There'd be nothing better than being able to cheer him when he when he come to come to Anfield. Yeah, it is. It's it's it's, it's another shame of the season with no crowds. But this is probably the biggest. Um, the fact that he's not there for the fans. Sean, he touched on something about Klopp being a family man, and you know it's something that he's. It's one of his biggest strengths was that when everyone else was losing their head over football, Klopp was able to distance himself and concentrate on his family. You know, after we lost the Champions League final to Real Madrid. He's, he's in the bar singing and all that. Some fans get the hump with that. Oh, he's singing about losing a final and all. But Klopp was always brilliant at switching off. And to not be able to to see our mother in 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 the year. And look, Pep Guardiola lost his mother as well to um to, to COVID as well. It, it's not unique to Jürgen Klopp. But it puts into perspective um something that, you know, we've all seen him being a bit tetchy in interviews and if, if your mother was sick and you're not able to, to be there, you're not going to be 100%. And I think I've seen a lot of fans, a lot of Liverpool fans online roll back on comments that they've been making, you know, because people are too quick to jump to conclusions and assumptions on things, saying, oh, he's, he's this, the pressure is getting to him, oh, he's, he's falling out here and he's falling out there. As Sean, you said, he's a human and people forget that and we forget that at times, you know what I mean? That footballers and football managers and people in the limelight are human after all and it's a terrible time for him. And as the lads have said and everyone in the chat, you know, condolences to him and his family. It's can, not can I, unique to him, but it's it's just <coughs> terrible, terrible for him. 
can I can I just say there's, there's people in the chat there mentioning um, different different outlets uh, having a go at, at Klopp and his character and different bits and pieces. Do you know what struck me over the whole thing? And, and like you get that news today, and people have been you know critical of Klopp over the last couple of weeks because Liverpool haven't played well, and, and usually that falls at the manager. But I haven't seen much fall at his door with regards to tactics, with regards to selection, with regards to approach. All I've seen is. What's he like after the game? What's he saying after the game? What's his what you know, they're all they're all experts on, on um what's the word? Um they're all body experts language. on but yeah, they're all experts on body language, they're all experts if he twitches his fucking left eye. Uh, nothing about football. And and this is becoming a massive problem in in the game where football football is only is the background to performances by people in the media and, and, and different outlets. It's a performance. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's showbiz and football is just a backdrop. I haven't seen, you know, people come out and say, but why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do that? Maybe he could have done this against City. I haven't seen that. All I've seen is people having a go at Jurgen Klopp's character and his demeanour and everything else. And, and look, uh, people will roll back on comments they've made. I made comments about Klopp on Sunday. I said that he bottled it when he, when he brought on two subs against Man City. I'll stand by that because that's a footballing, um, view it's not i don't you know that's nothing to do with, with his, his character it's it's to do with how he tactically got something in my opinion wrong but what it's it's very easy to to jump on Jurgen Klopp and, and his demeanor and stuff but you don't seem to get into the game and and, and how yeah. the game is played it just lost seems to be it's, it is lost it just seems to be headline saying yeah it's, 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 it's so it's it's so shallow in its in its foundation it's it's unbelievable but that's that's the thing. It feels more like a character assassination at this moment in time. And and I think for me, look, I'll be honest, like you, Gav, I'll hold my hands up. I didn't like the way you went at the reporter the other day for asking the, the top four question. I felt it was needless, needlessly prickly. But now, given this context, I mean, I'll be honest, lads, I haven't seen my own mum in a year. And if if something like that had have happened, I wouldn't have be, even be able to function and have a conversation, never mind front up to the media and pretend like mm. he's going back into work the day after this has happened. It's not like mm. he's got a leave of absence or anything like that. He has to dust himself off and go again and again and again and be asked the same question. So for me, I just think, I think everybody just needs to take a look at, at, at how they react to certain people, certain things. Everyone's going through shit that we don't even realize these days. So, you know, just have a bit of cop on and uh, see the bigger picture. But it's, you know, I just wish we could all be there for him in a full stadium, as I said. But um, let's, let's get on to the... It should be a lesson going forward, Jamie, to that not only that, these footballers as well, like they have Instagram accounts and they have Twitter accounts. Lashing these fellas out with comments is not going to, it's not constructive whatsoever. Like at the end of the day, we have no idea. We see these lads on the screen for 90 minutes a week. Uh, you see the bits on training, this, this, and that. These lads all go home to ordinary lives. They all still have ordinary problems, regardless of what their salaries are. And thus, they're all dealing with, we've seen so many footballers coming out during the lockdown with talking about mental health issues and such. And this is a big part of the game at the moment. And it's making a lot of people look and feel foolish when they see what the news coming out about COP today. Like Keith said, so many people backtracking. Well, just let it be a lesson going forward that, look, it's fucking, don't be a fucking idiot yeah. online. There's yeah. way, way more to football than, than to life than football. 
and it, it stops don't, there. General rule: don't be a prick. <laughs> Just yeah, don't yeah. be a prick. Don't be a prick. Good advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so we'll dive into the football, lads, because uh, again, off the back of this result, in a in a world where everyone wants to be outraged, and in a world where everybody wants ha- headlines, there's been a lot of stuff spouted, um, particularly from Jamie Carragher. He, he went into it in depth on Monday Night Football analysis around Liverpool. Um, he made some interesting points around comparing the squad in 2018 to the squad now, and how there probably hasn't been that much change in what would be deemed Liverpool's best 11. Um, Shawnee, I'll come to you first. Do you think that labelling this Liverpool team as facing a little bit of burnout is is unfair given everything that they've had to face this season? Yeah, I think if you look at the, the traje- trajectory of this team, I'd say, including the year we won the Champions League this year and what would have been this year, so we two full years of operating at a really top elite level where it's 97 points and a Champions League win. And then last year, just absolutely blitzing the Premier League. Before COVID, it was done. So I'd say this year, had we avoided injuries to the likes of Virgil, Gomez, we still had the spine of our team. You have Jota there. Look, even when Jota was fit, there was a lot there to suggest that we were going to run away with the league again. I think a lot of the narratives picking up, even Gary Neville was saying, I can't see anyone after the, the Wolves game and the Leicester game at Anfield where were just unbelievable. They're saying it's hard to see anybody beating Liverpool. I think burnout is a ridiculous thing to say. This team has had its spine completely ripped out, ripped out since October. We lose, we lose Virgil, who on his own is a massive loss. An absolutely massive loss. He's the best defender in the world by a substantial amount. What he gives us on the pitch in terms of just being a leader and then not over that is quality. Then you lose Gomez and then you lose Matuk. So in, in them situations, we're literally juggling. We have to play Fabinho, who was arguably the best holding midfielder in the world, a centre-back. And then after another short period of time, we have to drop Henderson, who was probably our most influential midfielder. And this is going by numbers because people use, love to use numbers. And I'm not. this is not my opinion. You look at the numbers. Jordan Henderson is one of our most progressive midfielders and he allows our other Mavericks to do what they do. So you have them. So the whole spine of your team is gone, Jamie. Now, you look around the top four, top five, anyone who you consider challengers, they wouldn't be anywhere near where we are if they had to deal with the same issues. So to say Borneo is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I think it can be maybe, uh, you could probably use it in the case of probably one or two players. And I'd say one. I'd say Bobby Firmino Firmino. is one who is 100% like a mental Borneo and and a physical Borneo. He's a fella who's played Copa America's World Cups and wherever with no break for the last three or four seasons, nonstop. And it's really starting to show. He's been a player who's suffered in form for probably the last 12 months. To label this thing as a team, because don't forget, this is a well-oiled machine that Klopp's built. And when one cog, when one cog is missing, it becomes really difficult. Yeah. When a number of cogs are missing, it comes almost impossible to maintain the level that we did. And the drop-off was in- inevitable. But it's just been brought forward by this absolute disaster of injuries that we've had this year something that is completely outside their control. I don't think signing any amount of players in the summer would have caveated this either. Don't get me wrong. To lose the players that we've lost, it's just been desperate on look. I think there's massive knee-jerk regarding 
the status of this team. I think they're far from done. Absolutely far from done. Quick shout for the super chat there from Richard Howell. Tribunal, it looks like, has been settled uh, for Harvey Elliott. Four million and Fulham have a 20% sell-on. That's not too bad, all things considered. Yeah, they were talking about 10, weren't they? The other day, the talk was 10 million, so... And he's lighting the place up as well. So I'm looking forward to see what we can do with him over the summer. Because I think he's got a, a big future. Gav, I want to I come to you off the back of what Shawnee was saying. And it's, it's again, it, I keep focusing on narratives, but it's annoying me this season because I think that the pundits will flip-flop from narrative to narrative and contradict themselves. And particularly in the case of City last season, the narrative seemed to be that Laporte being injured was a perfectly uh, a, a logical reason for their drop off you know 25 points circa uh, you know behind us and that just seemed accepted whereas in Liverpool's case now they're looking at fundamental problems with the team burnout across has Klopp lost his way a little bit rather than the world's best center back has been injured for the best part of the season and as Shawnee absolutely nails it the, the structure of our team the spine of our team who know pressing triggers they know when to cover each other they know the finer details of this system that they've learned like the back of their hand, you know, across the last three years has now been ripped apart. It just seems like some pundits are quite happy to ignore some of that, that context. The city one is always interesting. Um, you know, I think, I think that was the media trying to put their arm around Pep last year um, because he loses a brilliant centre half, but he makes a massive mistake by putting the midfielder back in there. Um, because it was um, the most effective midfielder. We've probably made the same mistake. Um, but we've lost two. We've lost our first two. And then we've lost our third. And then our fourth is a centre midfielder who, who has been out as well. Jamie Carragher makes the point about the squad now and the squad then. But I don't know how you can make that comparison. Like I've seen people saying, oh, um, excuses about injuries. But it's not excuses. It's hard facts. It's it's just hard facts. Like I'll put it to I'll put it to everyone in the chat, right? If I said to you on September the twelfth, I think the season started, if I remember rightly. If I said to you on the September the twelfth that lads, listen, I'm just gonna let you know. Joe Gomez won't play eighty percent of the league games this season. Either will Virgil van Dijk. Thiago will play probably two or three games and go missing for three months with an injury. Um Jota will start on fire and will then miss close to two, two and a half months as well. Uh Kate will be gone missing. Um, you know, and the, and the list goes on and on and on. Joe Matip will disappear. Um, you know, we'll have midfielders in, at centre half. And you put all this stuff on the table and you say, where do you think Liverpool will finish? Yeah. Where do you think they'll finish? Nobody is telling you they're winning the league. Not a fucking chance unless you're mental, exactly. right? And <clears throat> you're probably going, fuck top four. You know, so you have, there has to be a bit of re, you, you have to be a bit realistic that they're the facts. They are the absolute facts. Sean is right. If, if you take, and I, I don't want to compare it to Man City, but let's say, let's say sports. And Spurs lose both their centre-halves for the whole season, okay? And they lose whatever, the the equivalent of what we've lost. Summer's coming, Washington, D.C., and so are pesky mosquitoes. Don't let mosquitoes ruin your backyard fun. Call your local True Green experts for True Green Mosquito Defense. This science-based treatment will help control mosquitoes in your yard within 24 hours and keep your family and pets comfortable all season long. Save 50% on your first mosquito service by visiting truegreen.com slash summer or call 877 629-0092. Say goodbye to mosquitoes and hello to the perfect outdoor space for summer. Call True Green today. Right. I can guarantee you people will be saying, Jesus, Spurs would have been great, but only four. But the narrative now is Liverpool are gone, Liverpool are finished, Liverpool are over, Liverpool are born out. They're comparing a squad three years ago with all these players in it. 
and now they're comparing the squad and they're not there. So I don't know how you can make that. It's chalk and cheese. I don't know how you can make that comparison. They are born out though. I'm, not, I'm going to disagree. I think they are born out because of the loss Collectively. of players we've had. Collectively. <coughs> Just in the squad you have now, I feel they are, yeah, because the, the, the inability to rotate for me is massive. Um, you know, we brought in Jota so we could rotate. We had Thiago in he was looked at a first, as a first-team player, but we're able to rotate. Like, we're playing James Milner four times in 12 days. You know, yeah. that's unheard of even last year. You know, the sort of way. So I think there is an element of born out there. And I've said it a couple of weeks ago. When you have players missing, when you have players having to play every single game, and when it starts to go a little bit bad, it's so hard to get out there and turn it around. And then you have players that are just not up to it when they come in. That they're being asked to play a bigger part in this season than any other, and they're not stepping up. So I think there is a bit of born out there, and I think it's it's going to just have to be a case for me of head down, slog it out, and see where we end up at the end of the season. I, I really do. But just to make a look, like just just so people are clear here, because there's a few lads who are in the chat that aren't Liverpool fans. Mm. For example, if you want to know about our reaction from from modern day media, look in October. City get absolutely bashed by Leicester at the Etihad. And everyone is saying, is Pep done? Is this City team done? What's going on here? What's next for City? Their end game is finished. Where did he go from here? Pep doesn't look like he's going to sign a contract. None of the players that signed and seemed to be really working. They were 11 points off the top in October. Everyone was thinking that done. Jesus Christ, what's next? Right? That, that was the narrative being put forward that Guardiola, as far as English football went, was a busted flush. Six weeks later, Guardiola signs a new contract at part of the city and then he starts turning around as a team. Now they're top of the league and everyone is going on as if they're supreme leaders again, ready to take on everything in Europe. Yeah. At the very same time, while that narrative was being created, Sky and the likes were talking about how this Liverpool team were going to run away with the league again, even minus a Virgil van Dijk, that they were still going to do this. Not only have football fans become fickle, but the media surrounding the game has become so. And that feeds into these narratives that we see online and on social media and in these articles. Because they need to, like, football is kind of soulless as it is. So they need to do their best to push this out as they can. I see in Sky, yeah, man, what's your man's name that does MNF? Um, Dave Jones. Jones. Aiden Jones turned around saying this is an exhilarating Premier League season. Watching the same Jones. one I'm watching, it's fucking brutal. <laughs> The, the standard is brutal. If you would have thought, like, the, the, look at the points total. Look at how bad we've been. We're mm. only seven points off City, really, like, when you look at the table. Yeah. So, like, this narrative is ridiculous. This time last year, Man City won 19 points behind Liverpool. Yeah. But it was all on Laporte. He was back at this stage. He was back in the Bat- squad. Battery Plus makes the same point there. He says Laporte was back in January, so it wasn't even a season end. The people conveniently seem to forget that. Yeah. So it's like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Like they were big enough Frank Lampard for the them long that like Frank Lampard all these signings and he was gonna be a challenger. He's gone, he's out the gate. Football yeah. the landscape of football changes in three weeks, never mind three months, three years. That's but what's the narrative around Frank Lampard? Do you know what I mean? Frank Lampard's narrative, it's still, oh, it's hard done by Chelsea pulling the trigger too soon on Frank Lampard. There's narratives all over the place. Shawnee spawn there, you know, and you can look and, at it. And then throw in top of it the fucking world that we're living in. Yeah. COVID ravaged pandemic where you don't know what's going to happen. Look, we play, we play Leicester on Saturday. 
if someone could turn around Friday night at half ten and say Allison's out for COVID and he's gone for two weeks, that's something that doesn't happen in any other season, and that pl- applies to every team. But just look at the sheer amount of injuries that we've had, and then you have COVID, you have Mane missing a couple of weeks, Salah missing a couple of weeks. Yeah. It all adds up, lads. I don't understand how anyone can can turn around and say we've had a fair blade and go. We haven't even had a chance. We didn't even get a chance to defend that title. That's so, that's, that's how it, I that- feel about it. I, I think, and that leads me on to the next point, and I'll come to you, Keith, because we've kind of, in a way, been a victim of, of circumstance. So Gav said before, you know, we look burnt out, and I think to a large degree, I think we do, uh, particularly in the fullback areas. And I think that if you look at the players that we've got injured at the moment, you're not able to rotate your fullbacks because you're playing two centre-backs that aren't centre-backs. So you need to try and keep some semblance of normality at the back. And then I would say, you know, you've brought in Jota and, and Thiago, who were the two players that were men freshness up. You could say that Jota could come in for a Firmino. Uh, Thiago transforms the way that we create centrally as opposed to having to go out wide. But to be honest, Keith, they've not even been able to feature in the way that we'd have intended. So everything seems to be, it's that knock-on effect, as I said, victim of circumstance. I uh, couldn't agree more, Jamie. And people in the comments are saying, oh, Liverpool blaming the loss of Van Dijk, but you can't score against the bottom teams. But that's missing the point that everything has a knock-on effect. Every sort of rea- every action has a reaction on the team. So you say, like, the fullbacks haven't been able to rotate. We're forgetting about Simicas, who got brought in to alleviate the pressure off Andy Robertson. Simicas gets COVID. Then he gets a bad injury. He only comes back there uh, in the last week or so. So Robertson's having to play all the time. You've got Trent having to play all the time, but they can't play the normal game because they don't have the normal, they don't have centre-backs at the in the defence beside them. So their game is being affected. The forwards aren't scoring goals because, right, Bobby Firmino, we've got back to the born out thing, I agree with Sean, I think Bobby is probably born out and the lack of crowds is probably affecting him as well. Yeah. But Jota, Jota comes in, Jota comes in and is the player to alleviate that pressure. And then Jota's gone injured. And you can blame Klopp on that. People are going to jump and say you didn't have to play him against Midtjylland. Well, he, he played him and that's, you know, it is what it is. There's no point moaning about that. He'd done it. But that takes the the ability to rest and rotate our front four with the same standard or just maybe less in, in Salah's case. Everything has a has a knock-on effect. The midfield, Thiago comes in, he's having to play in the number six role on his own, shielding the defence. That doesn't suit him. He can't get rotated because we've no other midfield players because they're playing at the back. We have Nat Phillips and Reese Williams coming in. Who, in fairness, Reese Williams, let's put our hands up, looks miles away, miles away. The poor young fella, nineteen years old, thrown to the bleeding the Lions then this season and getting the the impact of that. So injuries, you lose your you lose your first team players as the lads has touched on, right? So you lose your Van Dijk, your Gomez, you lose um, Thiago to injury, but then you lose the players that are meant to relieve that pressure, Simicas, you lose Jota, you lose Naby Keita. So it's like you lose your spine, you end up in a wheelchair and then you look down and your wheels are punctured. So it's not even that we're just getting the bleeding a bad, a bit of bad luck. We're getting it beyond that as well. So the players that are coming in and having to do a job and they're not stepping up to it, some of them, let's be honest about it, they're not stepping up to it. But everything has a, an impact on the squad and the performances. So, you know, if me, if me man had ball, she'd be me dad, I know that. But if Liverpool had a full squad and had a full quota of players, it's not going to be the, the shit that we're seeing at the moment. So we just have to accept it is what it is. People would say, we got lucky in the past. We didn't get injuries. You know, we got a lot of decisions, blah, blah, blah. 
we bollocks. No one gets this injury level of shit that we've had to deal with this year. And we just have to deal with it and just do the best we can. Gav? Um, you deep in thought? Look, yeah, no. Look, look, there's a lot of people will tell you that's like it's excuses and stuff like that. I don't think it is. Mm. I think, I think um, they're the facts laid out. But I think that um, I, I think there is elements within the squad that you would have to be disappointed in. That that there's no excuse for, you know, like yeah. like um, the, the players get injured, players get COVID. That's absolutely fine. M- my major issue is is the people that you would look to as cover and aren't there as cover because they're injured, and then if they are there, they're not they're not they're not performing. And I don't think there's an excuse for that. I think that's where Liverpool have fallen down this season. Um, you know, we've laid all of it, we've laid everything on the table as to as to what what the problems have been at Liverpool this season, how unfortunate they've been. But there is elements within that squad for me that you go oh, for fuck's sake, like you know, this fella played five games last season and now we're seeing why, you know, um, through a mixture of injury or just not being good enough. And I think, um, I, look, we could talk about it all night, but for me and the, the the state of mind I'm in at the moment, it's a real case, Jamie. Honestly, of lads, just. You know, take your medicine, keep your head down, do the best you absolutely can from now to the end of the season and see where you are. If that's second, great. If that's fourth, great. You don't want to drop beyond fourth. That's unthinkable because then it gets really messy. But then I want to go back to these media outlets and these pundits and I want to say, now everyone's back. Now everyone's back. Are we burned out now? And and then I want to see their reaction. And, and I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. When, when all these players return and we put our squad out and we go, there it is now. There's our squad filled out with everyone that's there. And they're going to play 90% of the games this season, not, not miss them. How do you feel about us now? Because I'm telling you, these aren't, these aren't fucking, you know, people say hot takes. They're not even hot takes. It's laziness. It's pure laziness. And they're sent into a studio or they're sent into an interview or they're sent online or whatever they're fucking sent. And trust me, they're sent. And when they're sent, they're told, let's say this, let's say that, let's say this. You know, I can tell you genuinely, us four come on to this usually at three minutes to ten. And we don't fucking talk about anything. We don't say, let's talk about this, let's say this for the crack. It never happens. But I can tell you that these people are sent in to create clicks, to create hysteria. And I'm, I'm, I'm not having it. If you tell me that top people within media are telling you that Jurgen Klopp is this of a character, that of a character, Liverpool are finished, and never, you know, talking about it in a football context, just a demeanour and stuff like that, yeah. stop listening to them because you're wasting your fucking time. Couple of things to call out in the chat. Uh, Avo made the point, only 72 likes. If you don't mind, everybody that's watching, just throw us a little like there, will you? It'll help us out. We want to try and spread the word. So just give it a, a quick like. And the next thing I want to call out before we move on to the next topic, plus battery. Um, brilliant content, brilliant shows all week, very balanced views. How can we be the worst champions when no season like this? Uh, mad schedule, no fans. It's mad. Yeah, you, you, you're dead right. Um, but again, that doesn't that doesn't drive attention. And Roy Keane, when he yeah. come out with one of his outbursts, I think he's been he's been ripped to shreds in on Twitter in, in the best way possible, just with facts and and rubbished his his point. Now, Johnny, I, I want to come to you. One of oh, the sorry, Nick, one. brilliant on the forum the other night as well. I'd rather be bad champions than really really good runners up. So yeah, that's yeah. Steve said that. I love that line. It, like we can go on and on about bad champions. This this and the other. Not many teams retain titles going across the board. We'll probably get into that later on to the show. 
Yeah, there's, so I want to I want to take a little bit of a dive into looking at the squad and and obviously the current landscape in a COVID world. Look, it's not easy to make uh, to make transfers, and and as I said, there's been a lot of noise about who may, potentially needs to move on. Bit of a refresh. Are we ca- carrying a little bit of dead wood? Shawnee, I'll, I'll come to you. You know, the talk of a summer rebuild. Um, first of all, how realistic do you think that is? And I suppose the second part of that is what what are the the priority areas you know that you would address if you were the man you know holding the purse strings? Rebuild is again it's another buzzword. I think that's brought forward by social media. Yeah. Uh, rebuild is one of these things. Rebuild the transfer war chest, isn't it? Yeah, rebuild. The words rebuild finished and born out. Are three little buzzwords down the rounds on uh, on social medias at the moment. Rebuild is now. I think what Gav said. Let's get this squad that we actually have back together and healthy, and then show up. It'd be like strong up, strong up to a strength now, which our big brother. You just know yeah. <laughs> that you have everything there ready to go. Um, in terms of outgoings in the summer. By the way, I, I love Shawnee's little sayings. Some of the some of the sayings <laughs> you come out with, mate. You need to release but, a book or something. That's when that's when him and that's when him and Paddy get in a row. You see, <laughs> I think right. So if we're looking at Deadwood, you you have to earmark a few players, right? And then we'll take COVID into 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 context as well. So are we going to spend much? I don't know. Um, I'd, everyone goes on about the, the sell the boy that's grand it, it's worked for us up to this point we're in a bit of a sticky moment at the moment because revenues are heavily impacted by COVID look there's just nothing you can do about that there's absolutely nothing you can do about that it's not a seller's market at the moment it's completely it's a buyer's market and I think Michael Edwards would much much rather be, be operating in a, in a seller's market than the way he is now So because there's a few players there that we do need to move on for more reasons to one, right? So the first thing we need to address is, for me, one that is going to be a devastating loss and I still haven't come to terms yet. Genie is going or gone, all right? Bar something changing. So there's someone you need to replace. Now, I don't know how you do that because for me, he's the best ball-carrying midfielder in world football at the moment. And I think... The players we've been linked with, I think you've been you've heard like say Renato Sanchez <coughs> and Basuma. They're not on Genie's level, so that's a massive, massive ask. Not only has Genie got the quality, it's is he's there durability. Like yeah. you'd nearly count him in for fifty games a season across all competitions. To replace Genie, it's going to cost the guts of eighty to ninety million if you're buying a player of adequate quality of the same quality. So that's where you start. There's Origi, who I think is not good enough. There's Shakiri, who I think is in and out, not reliable enough. Oxley Chamberlain, who it just hasn't happened for, I think it would be the ideal for let to let him go on. Just not only for 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 us, for him. I think yeah, a move away would be better for him as well. And and Joe Matip, who is is always injured. Look, let's let's be honest. All right, we don't know what's going to happen with Kabak. He might come in, he might be really good, stay on and then make himself the second choice centre-back beside Virgil. And if he does go on to do that, then that's fair enough. There's talks of us being in for Upa Meccano. So we need a second choice centre-back. All right. In the worst case scenario, Kabak doesn't work out. We're going to need someone to go in beside Virgil. It's just as simple as that. All right. One that I would deal with is as well, Shakiri's gone. 
and I'm happy for Harvey Elliott to take his place in the squad because I think after a year in the championship, it will be good enough for him. Now, this is the problem with Liverpool, and I think this is what people need to realise. How many players or more football can we actually buy to enhance their starting eleven? All right, so you're going, I think I think we need someone to come in for Bobby. All right, now maybe Jota is the natural replacement for Bobby and was, because what we've seen this season, it was looking like he wasn't going to get back into the team ahead of Jota and then he gets injured. There was times where he played the four altogether. So for, for, for starters, right, you want someone to go in as your number nine, okay? So the names getting thrown up is going to be Erling Haaland, Achillian Mbappe, maybe Latoro Martinez from Inter Milan. They're all 100 million Europe footballers, yeah. all right? The only way one of them is happening is if a Salah goes out or a Mane goes out. Now, I can't see that happening because the current landscape of football, I don't think there's many clubs who could actually afford to take Salah and Mane off our hands. So what we're going to have to do is trust the recruitment again to get this one right because they've done this an awful lot. A rebuild is ma- mental. I think we might need to reshuffle the pack that we have and add bits of quality and I don't think a rebuild is necessary. I think, what's the word I'm looking for? A new strategy, Jamie. Change, think, change of approach. A change of approach. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, yeah. quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un filet fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. For time limited, prices and participation can vary. Valid for a product of equal or lesser value. Ouch! I don't want to see us open day of the season next year a four-three-three with the same eleven players because you cannot expect to stay at the top of any sport, even even your professional life, your career. If you're in a business, if you can stay to do the same things, you won't grow or exceed. What will happen is you'll plateau and you'll stagnate. And I think that's what's happening now. I think a shuffling of the pack. Will, will what benefit Liverpool the most. I don't think we go out and need to splash 150 million, 200 million on players because this is a world-class assembly of players. I just think we need to make sure that the backup is even better. So we'll, up, for example, upgrade Origi and then we get a second-choice centre-back. That means Gomez is third choice and then you could even afford to have Matip as a fourth-choice centre-back if you have someone who's strong enough to partner up with Virgil. I'm glad that you said about the system because when you were talking about Ginny, and I'll come to you on this one, Gav, when you were talking about Ginny, I think you're right. If you were going for a, a, a like-for-like replacement with Ginny, you'd have to part with a good chunk of money. The question is, do we need a like-for-like? If we're going to change the system, is it about bringing in different types of players to Ginny? And, and I, I kind of look at this Liverpool team now and I think, I think Klopp built a team with tailor-made players for that system. And we're now going to, over the summer, see a natural evolution of this team. I don't want to say being taken apart, tweaked. And for me, Gav, that could mean a change in system and a slight change in personnel. I always allude to Alex Ferguson. You know, I don't want to talk about Man United too much on the Liverpool channel, but he always likes to freshen up a couple of the big-name players every so often just to keep people hungry. Do you agree with Shawnee's sentiments that it's just a case of fine-tuning rather than overhaul? Yeah, I, I do. Um, but 
I think there's a bit of bit of work that has to be done. I'm going to be honest with you, because as I said earlier, players have let us down um, this season, and I think their inability to be on the pitch or influence games um, or perform to the level we expect has shone through for me. Um, in either them being on the pitch and not being good enough, or not being picked, even when we're in we're in dire straits. So. Rebuild is the wrong word. Um, as I said, you get everyone back and you start on the 4th of July and you start training and everyone's fit. You look at Liverpool's squad and you're quite happy with it. But within that, you're looking and you're going, well, I could probably pick four or five here that A, will cause us a lot of injury worries over the season and B, they won't perform when they're called upon. If you're asked to do three or four games a season or five games a season or ten at a max, they'll be fine. But if we get any sort of trouble, these guys will not do for you for 20 games plus. And that's what you need. That's what a squad is. A squad isn't just a fella that's, ah, he's good for four games. If he has to be good for 20, he has to be good for 20. Four or five will do you if you're looking to get Europa League or, or stay in the Premier League. 20 is when you want to win everything. And Liverpool usually go to the back end of a lot of competitions. You know, especially league and, and, and well, they have to play 28 league games. But the Champions League is 14 games is it to win it. Um, spread out across the season. So there's 51 games or, or whatever it is. And, and we just, for me, I think this season has shown that there's some players there that I would part with. And... As I said before, I don't care if he's a 9 out of 10 once a month. Give me a fella that's 7 out of 10 and he's there every fucking week. Every week, 7 out of 10 because he's, he's much easier to fit into your team because he's, he's, he's more reliable and you can, you can play him four games in a row without fear of him breaking down. And that 9 out of 10 game, you could win 5 nil anyway. You know, whereas a 7 out of 10 fella, it'll get you through tough fixtures away. You know, those ones where you go, mixed it up a little bit, got the win because they're steady reliable. Like we were doing a, a draft last night and Park G Sun come up and Park G's son was the absolute epitome of that. He probably played 25 games a season for United, but every time he played, he was 7 out of 10, solid as fuck, played for any position you wanted them to play in, and and won stuff with Manchester United because of it. Looking at the squad itself, Jamie, like, I know we're going to get on to COVID in a bit, and we're going to get into the owners and the models and stuff like that. I just think it's come out a fucking horrendous time. We're getting on to it um, next, Gav, so jump into yeah. it if you want. Well, I think it's come out a horrendous time in the in the, in the the I suppose the the way this squad is evolving. This for me was for me was always probably the summer where you go, you know what we could splash on two or three big ones here, and get rid of two or three, and you could really make well splash on two or three, and probably bring in two lesser ones and and get rid of four or five, and really refresh it, but bring up the quality all um on the whole. Shawnee's right; it's a it's an absolute seller's market. But the one thing I will say is if you look back to Thiago and Jota, that's 70 million quid of an outlay. But I think it was only something like nine up front or 10 up front. So there will be a lot of deals structured like that. Kylian Mbappe isn't going for 200 million out straight up. They're not pulling that out of their pocket. It will be, it will be something like, you know, you'll have to still well, probably give them a hundred. The, the talk is Mbappe is going to be 90 million for whoever wants him yeah. this summer because he's not yeah, going to yeah, sign a contract. contract. Yeah. yeah, well, the, yeah, but in normal circumstances, Sean, if he, if he had two or three years left in this situation, no one's given the 200 million up front. They're probably saying, listen, we can put yeah. 80 up front and we won't have any add ons, but we give you the other 120 over five years. You know what I mean? Or the length of like six years is usually when you sign these big players. But looking at the squad, Jamie, you know, honestly, I, I've no problem with Elliot coming in. I'm, I'm not happy Genie's gone. The, the average age does start to concern a few people because you see it, it is kind of rising and rising. Um, but the likes of Oxlade-Chamberlain for me, um, 
you know, how much more are you going to get out of Milner? You know, Origi, Shakiri, Minamino's up in the air. So there is, there's a lot of decisions to be made there. And honestly, I think when we come to the end of the next transfer window, I think we'll be, as Grizz would say, probably a player short. And that's that's how I feel right now with the whole landscape of how, we, how everything is, how, how COVID's affecting the world and the game and finances and everything else. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to not rebuild, but, but remould this squad to one that keeps the absolute quality that it has in that 11, 12, 13 players, but adds more on the back end to, to a bit of security against any problems that we might have moving forward. It's interesting, Keith, because there's a couple of things that I've noticed come out, uh, particularly around um, Liverpool's chase for a centre-back. And Henry Winter came out with an interesting article where he was quite critical of FSG and questioned them for, for not backing the manager, not backing him sooner. There's rumblings that um, you know his main targets weren't brought in, in in January. There was also an article that came out that looked very much at the spend figures. I think it was since 2016 between the, the top clubs around Europe. And I think City had a, de- a spend deficit. So net, I don't want to be a net spend boy, but look, a deficit of, I think it was uh, 554 million. I think United were 515 million. Liverpool's was 113 million. Yeah. Is it is it pie in the sky stuff to think that FSG are gonna some in some way miraculously change how they do business and we're in for this bumper summer? Because I'll be honest, mate, I I, I don't think they will change fundamentally how they work and they will still operate on a sell to buy basis. See, I think Sean, you might have mentioned sell to boy earlier being a bit of a myth. And I sort of, we do sell to boy, but usually we can sell our shitty driftwood players, deadwoods and get good money for them. And that hasn't been able to happen in, in COVID. So sell to boy isn't an issue. It's when you're, you're forced to lose a player, like when Coutinho wanted out, people are panicking. That's different. That doesn't really happen anymore. So sell to boy, you don't mind that if you're getting good money for the players you're letting go and the players you want to move on. The likes of um, uh, the the articles and all that about the spend, I think the spend is is fair enough, Jamie, because you know FSG have a model, and it's you know try to do business sensibly and keep the club sustainable. But I think they're willing to spend when there's a need to spend. Now this season has been a shit show, and FSG have been reluctant to spend. Um, we've heard these rumours about, oh, they didn't do it last year because they were going to do it this year and then COVID happens, blah, blah, blah. But the money that's been coming into Liverpool, winning the league, new uh, trans, um, sponsorship deals and all that sort of thing. Well, the Nike deal is going to be contingent on Liverpool being successful. So we think it's a, it's a summer of an awakening for FSG. I think they can't take the approach of, oh, we finish fourth, right, and we scrape into fourth. They can't say, oh, that's all right. This this is working. We don't need to invest you know, the, the year... They won't. No, they, that's what I mean. They won't, Johnny, because the year when we signed um, Oxlade-Chamberlain, Salah... Was it Oxlade-Chamberlain, Salah, and we tried to get Virgil that same summer, wasn't it? We tried to we get Virgil. We signed that summer we as well. We signed Kate, but we couldn't get it done. We couldn't get it done, so we'd done it for the following year. They were willing, that was a big spending summer. That was... We were, you know, we were looking to get Van Dijk as well. Now, I know people can say, oh, but the, the Coutinho money, the Coutinho money... That only suits a narrative as well. We wanted to get Van Dijk in in the, in the summer and we made a balls of it. So I think FSG will spend when there's a, a need to spend it. That's not me being an FSG fucking an FSG apologist. I get accused for all the time. It's a genuine, uh, I think they will 
looking at this, I think they will open the post strings. They're not going to open the post strings for the Nerland Haaland for a start. They're not going to open the post strings for a, an 80 million centre back. But what they will, in my opinion, it's only my opinion, they'll be looking at the reason they look at Upa Meccano is because Upa Meccano's transfer clause, buyout clause, drops to 35 million this summer. That's why they'll be looking at Upa Whether Upa Meccano's the right player or not. I think yeah. I think they would take a lump on Haaland on an Mbappe simply <coughs> for the fact that we could sign either of those lads. They come and play in England for four years and they're still probably two or three years away from that peak. Oh, and yeah. Look, in, in a COVID-free world, which I'm hoping in two or three years will be, the, the numbers in football are only ever going up and up and up. People are waiting for the bubble to burst. So they're probably saying, if we get if we can get Mbappe now for 90 million or a Haaland, what is he going to be worth in four and five years, when Barca have money again and Madrid have money again, and they need them because these lads are only going in the one direction. Now, oh, yeah, the sell the boy thing, it, it, it's definitely a factor. But I'd be more worried if FSG sold Coutinho for 140 million and then bought Nick Pope from Burnley for yeah. 20 million and then fucking, he'll be very, then we ended up getting Tarkovsky or we paid 60 or 40 million for Maguire from Hull at the time at Leicester. They sold Coutinho and then they got the best in class. Yeah. They got Virgil van Dijk and then they got Alisson. People that's what they don't. We well, went close. We went. We, we nearly win the Champions League, Gav. They turn around mm. and say, what do we need? Well, yeah. we need a goalkeeper for starters. We're going to get the best one we possibly can available. And then we're going to get Fabinho, who was a highly coveted hole in midfield. I think we paid 50 million for him. So they're spending the money when it's there, Gav. Now, I'll be honest with you. I think they made a bollocks in the January window. And I think when everything... After the fact, with hindsight being 2020, I think they tried to pull a fast one on a few of the French clubs in that window. I think that's what happened there, and I think it backfired a little bit. I think the business could have been done on the 4th of January for the vendors and had them in. But I think going forward, we've seen a change attacked already from FSG. We've seen, we've in already Thiago seen uh, Thiago's not in it. He's not now. Now he's not a money ball signing. No, he's not. But I'll tell you what he is. Yeah, he's 29 years old. He's had loads of injuries. He's going to come in on big wages and we have to pay a transfer fee from now. It's never happening. But they went down and done it because they knew the quality of the player. Yeah. So they have shown that they are willing to change tact. And I don't know, maybe it's blind faith, but I think they actually will. I'm, I am expecting them to go a different route. Now, maybe not as big as they would have because of COVID, but I still expect them to do business outside the realms because it's not always about net spend. The other thing as well, Gav, that nobody's touched on, Jamie, you've talked about the money that Chelsea spent, City spent, United spent. Uh, look at Everton. Look at the money Everton have spent. Money guarantees... Aston Villa are up there as well, actually, weirdly enough. It, they were quite high in the Money <laughs> is, guarantees absolutely fuck all in yeah. football. Mm. It means absolutely nothing. Look at the money PSG have spent. Haven't gotten near the Champions League. Look at look at Barcelona in recent seasons. Look at the money they've spent. They're getting worse every year. Yeah. So money doesn't guarantee anything. We could go out and spend two hundred million in the summer and be no better than we are now. You've got to get the right players. You've got to do business correctly. Price price tags shouldn't come into it. Every single transfer should be undisclosed. Because it's all bound, blown up loud of bollocks. Look, United have spent 1.6 billion since Ferguson went. And they're nowhere near the league title, regardless of what they tell you these days. They're oh, not. Yeah. They'll spend 100 million a season, Gav. Fucking, it doesn't matter about outlay. You've got to buy the right players. And once we continue buying the right players, 
we'll be in the we'll be in the mix, and that's yeah, what we do better than anyone else. You don't Chelsea want to be the team that's spending. In the yeah, you don't want Chelsea to be the team that are in there spending four or five hundred million net spend and being nowhere. You want to be like, the Wolves yeah, people use it as a stick to battle Liverpool with, oh, they only spent this. They won the Champions League and then follow up with a league title. You know what I mean? The, the model Man, was I'm sorry, it, it's not stated enough how little guarant- money guarantees. Man City have spent an extortionate money, amount of money on fullbacks. Cancelo mm. is probably the only decent one they have. Yeah. They still haven't got anywhere near the Champions League. It guarantees nothing. Lads, money guarantees absolutely nothing. So don't think going out and throwing out 200 million in the summer is going to sort anything because it won't. You've got to buy the correct players. So what, how can you have an issue with FSG or spending when they're always buying the right player? One thing I would say with FSG, and look, I, I don't think... So I, I think in bringing in Jurgen Klopp and Michael Edwards, I think they have the per- perfect people for their system. What I would say is I have complete and utter faith in their ability to identify the right type of player and box clever because we have to, because we don't have unlimited funds. We're not the likes of a city. I think city, you make a good, good point there, Shawnee. I think they've spent roughly 400 million plus on just their back line. And there's, there, you know, there's no, um, uh, there's no issue with that. You know, if something goes wrong, they just go out and get another one. Gav, when you look at the longevity of this Liverpool team and, and our ability to be a sustainable business at the same time as competing, does it give you confidence, the track record that Michael Edwards has in, in being able to identify, A, the right type of player, but also be able to structure deals like the Jota deal or even the way, to be honest, the way they've done the, the Kabak deal is very smart. We've been able to bring in two centre-backs. All right, maybe not the ones that we would have wanted, but can definitely help us for very little outlay, particularly when you look, I think Minamino went to Southampton for 500, uh, 500K as well. So does that give you confidence that, irrespective of the money that we have to spend, we've got the right people in charge at making the, the right decisions. Their track record tells you, yeah, you have to be confident in them. You know, I, I, he's, Michael Edwards has come in for a bit of criticism during <clears throat> the January transfer window because of the lack of money Liverpool spent. Um, you know, they, 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 their outlay is about a million quid on Quebec and, and um, Ben Davies and they get half a million of that back in on, on Minamino on a loan. So, the, you know, he's come in for some criticism like because there's these players hanging around and couldn't get rid of them. The fact is the players that are hanging around yeah, they're probably not good enough, but what, where would you be without them? Like, genuinely, where would you be? Like, I'm, I'm no fan of Origi. You know that. I think he should have went a couple of years ago. But if we don't have Origi, what are we doing? Like, who are we bringing on? Like, there's literally no one there. So th- that's probably part of it. The money ball thing is mad. Um, Virgil van Dijk is no money ball signing. Can't be. Virgil van Dijk signs for Liverpool at seven. People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Five million and people that's not a money ball signing, not a fucking chance. Because if he signs another deal at Liverpool and brings himself to 32, do you think someone's spending 100 million, 120 million on him to get him? No, they're not. They'll let him run down his contract and he, and he gets a, a nice big payday somewhere. Um, you know, you could argue Allison isn't a money ball signing. The, the, was Suarez a money ball signing? I think he ends up going for what does he go for in the end? 68 or something, 68. But you got you got your value out of him, maybe, yeah. maybe a money that 
maybe a money ball signing, but I think he was a gamble at the time because of his um his previous, I suppose. But the money ball thing it doesn't really add up to me. You know, I can't criticize what they've done in terms of where they've got us to because I don't I don't care what United spend, I don't care what Chelsea spend or City. I care what Liverpool do. And if you Liverpool if they had a net spend of a tenner, right? And they'd got in the last five years on the club where they were to where they are now for the tenner who gives a fuck do you know yeah. what I mean and the funny thing is if it was 400 million people would downplay your achievements because oh well they spend 400 million like they do with the city they play everything city does gets downplayed right because they sign they've spent whatever amount of money over the last 10 years or 12 years or whatever since they got taken over Jamie back to your question I have confidence in them but I think this will be the biggest squeeze on them to step out of their comfort zone. Because they usually, like you hear, like they have stuff planned a year in advance. They have this, they have plans, you know, they have everything mapped out. COVID has thrown a massive spanner in the wheel, you know. Now, it may be a case that they're good at structuring a deal and look, pick a player. Haaland, we would have, we can't spend 80 million on him anymore, but we can give them X amount and get the rest and if Haaland wants to go, when players want to go, it usually happens. So, am I confident in them being able to do something like that? Yes. But I think at some stage for FSG, in my opinion, they're going to have to step away from this model on one or maybe two occasions. And like they do with Van Dijk and Alisson, where they just went, we need him and we need him and we're getting him. That may come again. But when it comes again, I don't know if the finances will be in the game to do it, if you get me. So it will have to be a stretch for them. And... I think that'll say a lot about them. I genuinely think that FSG are looking at an investor to A, get the 300 million back, but have probably four or 500 million on top of that um, to rebrand the squad or, or re- restructure the squad and stuff like that and move us forward with the Anfield Road end and stuff like that. And at the end of the day, 700 million gets you their money back, it gets you a big part of money to advance the club and you're still sitting on 50% of the club or 60% of the club and I think that's what they may be looking at. But I think this is a massive, massive six months of them, in my opinion, because you have to remember Klopp is gone in 2024. It's not fucking, if he's gone, let, let's take he's gone. He is not in any fucking way spending 2022, 2023 rebuilding a team to walk out the door in 2024. He's going to want this done in the next year, I would say. So he gets to mould it, gets success with it, and then hand it over in its prime to somebody if he if he's leaving in 2024. So that comes into it as well. But we'll have to wait and see. I am confident in what they've done. They have made mistakes, but I, I do think this is going to squeeze them like it's never squeezed them before. Well, if I, I, I could jump in there, Jamie, just before you can, me. Very quickly, um, with, with the transfer strategy of, of Liverpool, a lot of people in the chat, the reason I'm jumping in, a lot of people are throwing in the likes of Basuma into the chat. Or you can see Liverpool doing, and just, it, just my own opinion, you know, uh, I can see Liverpool going more for a Renato Sanchez because they'll get him a lot cheaper and there'll be a cheaper outlay. As Sean, he said, he tried to maybe stitch up the French clubs in the, in the January window. I think they'll go back down that route in the summer rather than try to 
get a player if Brighton stay up trying to get a player out of Brighton would prove a lot more difficult than getting a player like a Renato Sanchez it could be along that and I think Shani makes a great point about you know Mbappe, Haaland Lataro Martinez these sort of marquee centre forward players are there to be had if they're willing to spend but I think Liverpool would more go down the route of a Pedro Neto or something like that a player that you'd probably get for half of the price and he would be a good addition and I think they'd look like to bring him in and maybe build on him. So it might be along them lines, I think, that he'd go down in the summer. And the summer window and the January window are two different beasts. Clubs are very reluctant to sell in January and easier to do business with in the summer. So I think it'll be a big one as well. I think we could end up doing some business uh, this summer that people aren't expecting. But I think we do need a bit of an overhaul. Not an overhaul, but a few positions, backup positions. One thing before we move on again, um, I'm surprised they don't look more at the free transfer market. If money is such a big issue for them, the likes of um, Gonzalo Montiel right back off Argentina and River Plate is on a Bosman. Excellent. He's in the Argentina national squad. Being linked with West Ham and Roma. You know, Liverpool could bring him in. Probably not even on Liverpool's radar. But he could come into a squad and supplement. He could be a Simicast on the right-hand side, you know, to, to give Trent a break. Little things like that. If we had players that can cover all the positions, we wouldn't need as many transfers. Like, that, that fellow Montiel can play centre-back or right-back. You know, so if we, I'm surprised they don't go down that route a bit more. The Bosmans aren't what they used to be anymore, though, aren't you know, Because players are at the boys and up now. Yeah, play, players have voiced up now that you're not paying 20 million for me, so I wanted me wages. Because yeah. I've seen there that uh, David Alaba wants £400,000 a week to play in England. Of course he does. So, Gav, I'm going to come to you because Free World made the point that I was going to make next, right? And I'm going to be a little bit uh, mischievous and say how much of FSG's famed strategy and approach has been masked by Jurgen Klopp and his ability to to basically turn water into wine. And without Klopp, does that system fail? It's a very good question. Um, you know, somebody else says there that, you know, we got Van Dijk and Allison because we, we sold the player. That player wanted to go. We couldn't do anything about it. We didn't put him out on the market and say, who wants him? He forced a move through to Barcelona, and then we used that money to invest. Um, and we were signing Virgil van Dijk before Coutinho went anywhere anyway. I don't know why people get into this. Virgil van Dijk was being followed in the summer of 2017 and we don't get him. And Coutinho only acts up before the first game of the season away at Watford. If you remember right, he fades a back injury. We were signing Virgil van Dijk for 50 million quid off Southampton before Coutinho was even thinking about rocking a boat at Barcelona. So I understand it was was, in the end that money was there, it was used, it was a bonus I suppose. But we weren't we didn't say, oh, we lost Coutinho, let's sign Van Dijk. That's not the truth. And I, that really gets up my nose, actually, when people mention that. But going back to Klopp and think, look, Klopp is, Klopp is a generational manager. All right, He's an absolute generational manager. Like, he will go down, I think, alongside the greats at this club. And I, I, I'm talking Paisley, Shankly, Daglish. You know what I mean? I, I genuinely do because he comes in and... It, it's not. It's not just the, the way he plays football, the way he looks after his players, the way he he built this as what we have now. He shaped the, the culture, he, gap. It's the, yeah, it's the way he carries himself. Like I'm, I'm telling you now, the difference of going to Anfield before Klopp and after Klopp is fucking night and day. Like the, I remember going to Anfield. Hodgson was in charge at times when Rogers was in charge, you know, um, and it was just. 
when you were going, when, when I'd be going over, you didn't know what you were going to get outside Anfield. You didn't know what you were going to get around the place. And when you go and clops there, everyone's bouncing up the Anfield. And I mean, like, fucking bouncing up the Anfield. And, like, I remember, I was at, I was at Anfield the day we are in Liverpool the day um, we were beaten to the title on the last day. And when I say Liverpool was fucking mayhem that night, there wasn't, there was nobody giving out. There was nobody fucking thing. It was all, like, Klopp is just the best. And um, we had, what a weekend we had. After losing the league title on the last day, and we're waiting, what, 29 years at that stage. Yeah. So, Klopp is generational. There's no doubts about that. What other manager could come in and do it? I don't know because we haven't had them. And people will say, well, you have. You've had Rodgers and you've had Hodgson. Klopp's a different level to Rodgers and Hodgson. Like, let's be honest about it. I don't know if an, an Allegri could come in or, or an Ancelotti could come in or whoever. Well, Ancelotti, not now. But, but you know, like the managers of that ilk, if they come in, could they walk under the system? I don't know. Klopp has to get a massive, massive amount of credit as to what's going on at Liverpool from the very bottom to the very, very top and the mindset and stuff like that. FSG have made mistakes, but they've walked with them. You know, um, I would do whether another manager could do it simply because I don't know if it's the gravitas which he walks around with. It's it's something about me. He's a larger than life figure. And I don't know if... I don't know if any, any other manager could come in and motivate players the way he does. And a lot of them, when you see their success, it's down to money and being the biggest spender. That's where they're, that's where they're, they're held. Don't get me wrong, Guardiola is a fantastic manager. But if you put him in the position, could he do it with FSG? Could he do it with FSG? Pep Guardiola. Being a straight jacket. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so Pep Guardiola, the best manager in the world, could he do it? I don't know. You know, um, could Jose Mourinho do it under FSG? I don't know. But like, we're going to have to wait and see um, at some stage. But I think, I think FSG's moment of truth with this club will come before Klopp leaves, if you know what I mean. I think there's, there's too much to be done and too many circumstances going on there where you go 2024. FSG are still here and, and Klopp's gone and what are we going to do? You might be able to judge it, but I think their moment of truth at this club will be um will come before that. I, I genuinely do. I'm glad you said about Klopp and, and the mood shift since he was manager. Cause Unbelievable. Like I, I, I like I can talk with, with, with confidence. Like he, I, I, he he reconnected a city, and I don't mean that to sound like a sweeping cheesy statement. Like Liverpool fans were notoriously pessimistic. We'd been through the shite. We we didn't have any belief. You only had to go to Anfield and be one 0 up with ten minutes to go. There'd be gasps from the stadium. They had but no belief that, that that the game was going to be seen out. Klopp changed all of that. And I, like when people ask me, you know, what do you think of Jurgen Klopp? It goes beyond football in a way. He's just given. He's reignited a city and gave them belief. And and I think the reason why he's such a special manager is he's a he just connects people. It just comes back down yeah. to the people motivating people. He's um. He's an emotional guy. Um, you know, he can connect with his players on a level that I, I don't think is is that widely uh, received now. I just think he's got a, a, a certain approach um, and players want to play for him. They want to run through brick walls for him. You see the likes of Steven Gerrard. You just know when Gerrard talks about Klopp, he would give anything to put his boots and his shin pads back on and just have... I think he actually came out and said it, didn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think yeah, he said yeah. he just wished he'd have had one more season. I'd say he probably... He wouldn't have bothered or he wouldn't have minded, you know, being a sub or 
coming on at right back. He, he just wanted to be in and around, uh, in and around the club. And, and Shawnee, there was a super chat that came in from LFC Aaron there. You know, we talk about building a culture and Klopp has been at the forefront of that. There's also been a couple of players that have been in and around that dressing room and helped. Uh, if, if anyone in the chat hasn't checked it out, Damien Hughes um, has done a book. Um, uh, I'll, I'll link it afterwards. He, he basically talks about the importance of cultural architects within a dressing room and within a business. Basically, uh, lieutenants right. that set the culture. James Milner and Jordan Henderson have been two of the most important players for setting the tone and the culture. You only have to watch the cl- uh, the clips from training, uh, the clips yeah. from in and around the club uh, match day. Last year. I, Last year. Unbelievable, mate. They've been, they, they've been so re- responsible for so much good within the club. There's a core group of players there who always seem to be at the forefront. There's Andy Robertson as well. And surprisingly, mm-hmm. Trent, being a young lad, is one of them as well. Trent Hendo... Lalana was another one of them. And you're seeing when he left, you see how Klopp talks about him since he left. And I know a lot of people have shy to say about Lalana because of his contribution on the pitch. But you need to realise that, similar to the situation with Klopp's mother today, we only see what's on the screen. Yeah. We don't see... There's so many tangible things that go on behind the scenes that affects the outlay of the club and the team on a whole. That happens every single day behind closed doors on training grounds. James Milner should be kept at Liverpool until he can't walk anymore. That's Agreed. that's just my opinion because, like you said, Jamie, cultural architects. These are people around the squad who keep the spirits up. You need these people, even if you don't see what they do on the pitch. That they're every single day in training. Lovely. They're digging people out. If you ever watch them inside training, yeah. Milner is constantly, constantly demanding a hundred percent. Milner would want to be a very, very good coach. I think, after the game. And you keep these people around the dressing room for as long as you can. That was one of my major uh, uh, groups with Rodgers after was all said. Stephen Gerrard should have been kept at Liverpool Football Club till he could no longer walk anymore. No matter how much he wanted, if he didn't want to stay on the bench, he should have been given enough money so he wanted to stay on the bench. That's just my opinion because you cannot place a price on the impact that these fellas have in the background of the dressing room. You've seen what happened to City when Silva left, company left. These are all massive, massive personalities behind the scenes. The Klopp, Klopp's lieutenants, Henderson is Klopp on the pitch. Milner, the, you need these people. Yet you cannot be successful without them. It just doesn't happen. You, you can have a collective of individuals, but you do need these lads in and around. And going back to what Gav said about going into Anfield, walking up to Anfield, I'll just say something uh, regarding both Klopp and the owners. Going up to Anfield is a completely different experience these days, both spiritually and physically. Yeah. I remember going into the player's entrance and you look to your left and there's a 15-foot scabby brick wall covered in barbed wire <laughs> fence waiting for the players to go in. Now, a lot of people, I don't know, we're lucky enough to live with it, with in and around Liverpool. We can get there in a 20-minute flight, so you can yeah. go frequently enough. Walking up to Anfield these days is unbelievable. Yeah, the big main stand, everything around it, the year. And only going to get better areas. as well. Exactly. So this is a legacy thing. This is this that will still be there when club goes. All this has changed. If you, I remember going up to Anfield and the team bus would pull up, and you're looking at a big pissy fucking red brick wall beside you, <laughs> covered in just walking around Anfield. It was a dull experience. It was drab. It was until you get in, then you're seeing the turf, and then that's what you pull up to Anfield now, and it's. Top class facility. You look at what they've done with AXA. These are all things that we cannot see. 
So going back to the likes of Milner, having them around, these are things that impact the players more than we'll ever know. James Milner shouldn't be allowed to leave Liverpool at any stage. And, and this has nothing got to do with sentimentality because if I was all about sentiment, Origi would be the same. Origi needs to fuck off now. He's starting yeah. to stink the gaff out. It's simple as that. He's done his part. He's scored his big goals. He's a cult hero, but the fact of the matter is he's not good enough anymore. And then you can look at the genie way and, yeah, we're being a little bit ruthless that way. Are we being ruthless? I think he should stay, but it does a ruthlessness to it. Obviously, the FSG now, I'm not going to give him two or three hundred or 200 grand a week for another three or four years when we know exactly what's in his leg. So, again, we just need to trust him going forward. When Klopp goes, we're fucked. When Pep leaves City, they're fucked. When Ferguson left United, they were fucked. Tom yeah. Brady left the Patriots. They're bollocks. This is nothing got to do. You come across these once in it's a lot of exclusive to Liverpool. Yeah, it, it's not exclusive. To, it's exclusive yeah. to everything. When yeah. these big major figureheads fuck off elf businesses, footballs, they go downhill. Look at Apple under Steve fucking Steve Jobs. Apple haven't put out a decent phone since he died. They haven't come up on that. They haven't. <laughs> these are no seriously, Gav. I'm these are once in a generation. Ese último McNugget me toca a mí porque soy la mayor. ¿Y eso qué tiene que ver? Los mayores se respetan. Eso no existe, ¿cierto, mamá? Ya, quédense tranquilas. Aquí hay otra cajita de McNuggets. Respeto, ¿viste? El no hay rivalidad cuando hay McNuggets deal. Hay un deal para cada salida familiar en McDonald's. Compra uno de tus favoritos, como unos McNuggets de 10 piezas, una Big Mac, una Quarter Pounder with Cheese o un Fileo Fish y te llevas otro por un dólar. Por tiempo limitado, precios y participación pueden variar válido para un producto de igual o menor valor. The once in a lifetime humans, um, they leave a footprint that can't be filled. We will forever be clowned. This is what makes them special. When they go, they can't be replaced. If club could be replaced, nobody would give a fuck. The fact that we know he's irreplaceable, that's why we love what he's doing now. So you can't, like, it cannot be measured. I, 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 think, I think one marries with the other, though, Shani, because... Like I go back to I go back to what Klopp means to this club and 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 the city and 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 you know fans worldwide they fucking adore him they, they adore the ground he walks on and I do I do like like everyone knows like John Barnes was my hero I am um, watching Liverpool Dad Leash as manager you know it, just so many players throughout the years but Klopp just walks on water for me he's just everything about him and I go back to you know how he's checked because Jamie's right so pessimistic and, and so even when things were going well ah well it'll go wrong in the end because that's what happens to us that's what you always heard you were preloading your brain with this information but if you remember when Liverpool lose the title to City in 13-14 everyone knew that's fucking it we're not we're bo- that's, that was our best chance we lose it in 2018-19 and the City of Liverpool is bleeding bouncing that night going we'll do it next year Klopp will do it we'll do it next year you know what I mean that's the difference but I think the irreplaceable stuff marries with the owners that you have you know, if, if Liverpool had the f- absolute financial muscle, um, rightly or wrongly, that a Man City have, I don't think that much would be made of, of Klopp's irre- irreplaceability. Is that even a word? But, you know, because you go, well, they just, they'll throw all this money at it, no matter who comes in, they'll, they'll make sure they get the absolute best. Having said that, we don't have that. And that's where people's doubt comes in because, and I know you, Shawnee, I know you're saying we're fucked because you have doubts over you know what their model is, but you have doubts over how they can progress with somebody else under that structure because he's a fucking genius. It'll be like it, it literally will have to be the per- the perfect handover does not exist. No, 
because as soon as something goes wrong, we'll be just clout, we'll be going back. Look at this season. Look at this. We were absolutely spoiled last year. And as soon as we start losing a few games this year, everyone is going Russia. Yeah. Like succession is the hardest thing to do in any walk of life. Like you sometimes you just lose things that you can't replace. Klopp is irreplaceable. And we're fucked in the standpoint that it's just not going to be the same for a couple of years when he goes. And it's as simple as that. Look at their approach that Chelsea take. Like it's completely non-sentimental. Roman Abramovich would buy it and sell it. They just keep sacking managers and then event it sticks for a year or two and then they're gone. They that's the way they run. Liverpool don't operate like that. We we never will. That's never gonna be. We will look into the long term. I don't know who's what's gonna come out of the club. Just enjoy it as he is now because succession isn't it's never guaranteed. I'd almost say it's it's almost whoever comes in out of the club is just destined to fail because oh, it is the bar is just so high. <laughs> The only thing I jump in on this and say is um with the Klopp, I don't I don't think he gets enough credit in the in the manager's echelons at Liverpool because for him to go toe to toe with Man City and Guardiola is something that, you know, a few years ago people thought, I know I thought it's like these are just gonna win title after title. And then Klopp comes in and wrestles that sort of that power <laughs> away from them. Now, they get it back this year, but down to circumstance, they're a great team, great manager. I'm not trying to denigrate Man City at all. But to do that with what he's done isn't given enough credit, in my opinion. Now, Jurgen Klopp is irreplaceable in the sense that his, his persona is irreplaceable. The, Jurgen Klopp, the man, the, the motivator is probably irreplaceable. But is Jurgen Klopp, like, Jurgen Klopp goes, and I agree with with the lads there you know you come in after the man you don't want to be that you want to be the man after the man exactly to come in then is is a bit of a poison chalice but if you can get a manager who can coach a good team and can work with a, a director of football for want of a better word because you remember Brendan Rodgers he was constantly clashing with the transfer committee and that was just Michael Edwards and all. Do you yeah, know what but, I mean? But that's, because, but, that's because, but that's because Brendan Rodgers had an ego and hadn't got the fucking oh, here he goes. to back it up. <laughs> no, that's the truth. No, but, that's the truth because, be because, because Klopp, Klopp has an ego. There's no fucking doubt about that. But he absolutely has the balls to back it up. And he has the, the accomplishments to back it up. Brendan Rodgers at that stage of his career absolutely didn't. He may go on to. He's doing a decent job at Leicester this season. But he hasn't got... Keith, I know where you're going with this. It's like... You know, can you get a coach in? I'd actually be looking at someone in the demeanor of Klopp over the tactical well, stuff. I genuinely yeah. would. That's I think the, the I think the obvious one is Nagelsmann. I think that's the obvious one. Um, no, no I'm just saying. I'm no, just saying. He's about as charismatic as a fucking. I know, I know, but but he's but it's 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 in that mold. You know, you look at Hassan Hutel at Southampton. It's in that mold. The other one that's in that mold is Tuchel, and if that happens, I'm fucking out of here. Um, but. I'd nearly look at someone that has a big persona. I, I, I think Pochettino... Uh, unbelievably so. I think yeah, Pochettino, 100%. with the move he's done to Paris Saint-Germain, is absolutely and utterly lining himself up for Liverpool in 2020. Hopefully. People go on about not having that one hand, but he, he to me, could be a, a club replacement. Because I do think... You've seen the, the relationship he built up with a lot of them sports players. They just couldn't yeah. go anymore because they never got on. There was no payoff at the end. Yeah. So they just there was no carrot. Yeah, there yeah. Was, exactly. There, there was no, exactly, Keith. There was no carrot. They literally did everything for him. 
And I'm telling you now, if you ask Daniel Levy, take Pochettino back tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. the, big, the big thing for me, Shawnee, when you look at coaches, and I think Pochettino was another one who'd been kneecapped financially. You know, I think if you, again, to go back to the neck spend thing, he was punching way above his, his weight. I always look at, have players improved under their manager? Not just scattergun, let's go bring in new players. And if this yeah. one doesn't work, you know, like a, like a Pep, it's been labelled. Look, Pep's obviously improved players as well, but he's also been ruthless that, look, I have an unlimited pot to spend. If somebody doesn't work, I'll just bring somebody in. Yeah. Pochettino was, has developed so many of those players. And the one thing I would say about Pochettino, I was thrilled when he didn't go to Manchester United because yeah. if there yeah. was ever a manager that was tailor-made for that club in not only what he, he believes in philosophy... Oh. Yeah. 100% mate um, and the idea look I, I don't like thinking about Klopp moving on but it would certainly be softened by the thought of somebody like him coming in because I think he his values are very similar to what Liverpool exists to be if that makes sense yeah and people say about Pochettino not getting over the line with Spurs the Spurs mindset is as never winning. And like at least at Liverpool, we sort of had that winning mentality. We just hadn't won the league in 30 years, you know. But as fans, we sort of still demanded it. Spurs, not not winning a league with Spurs isn't a slight on Pochettino because they were never the best Every, team. He put them into a position to really challenge, but they weren't an elite team. You talk about poison chalices. He had to go in and clean up fucking Villa Spouse's mess at Spurs. And he literally, he improved every single player. Yeah, I thought every one of them. Uh, whenever they were there, everyone went up a level with him. And look, we can only hope, if I was to pick one now, five years' time, it would be him. But look, it, this is completely hypothetical. I'm hoping Klopp yeah. turns around and says, I want to stay here forever and signs yeah. on another five-year deal, which I don't He's think missing out on two years with fans. I think there's a fair chance of that. I think because especially if, if they have to consolidate a little bit this summer and look to build then over the following year. He's then in the summer of 2022. He's looking at two seasons left. I think he might add a year or two on and see the absolute potential in, in the second team that he, he looked to build. Um, I hope he stays forever. Um, like like you lad said about Milner, Henderson I'd put in there as well. You know, succession planning is about bringing players in, but it's also having the right players there, regardless of their impact on a footballing sense. It's their impact around the club because... Players have all the ability in the world, but they need to know. They need to know the structure of the club, the the, the rules around the club, the expectations. You know the, the the levels that are set, and that's so important for older players, more experienced players, players that are there for years to show these players when they come in. Right, this like a Gerrard does. He, he play ten games a season, but I can tell you, whoever comes in, they're going to know all about it, what the standards are. And um, by the time Gerrard walks out the door in two years' time, this fella's gone up levels and levels because from the very outset he was left under no illusions as to what is expected. Liverpool Football Club and for too long there was too many players coming in with big egos and, and Stefan said to me there, everyone has a fucking ego but you know what I mean some people come in with inflated egos and, and they think that they're brilliant to look watch they think that they're it and they're gone because they just can't hack it and Gerard said that about so many good players lads. but if you if you have the right players around the place not, not to be so have so much of an impact on the pitch but to guide the club in that succession plan and through that handover as Shawnee would say I think I think it's um, I think it's absolutely vital 
Can we just comment on that? Uh, Jeremy B keeps throwing in about Zinedine Zidane and no, no one's answering them in the in the chat. Um, <laughs> Zidane, he's saying Zidane has won three Champions Leagues without spending. I, my take on Zinedine Zidane is he was the perfect manager for Real Madrid. He was a Galactico. He was uh, Perez's boy. And while he could be a good coach, I don't know if he'd be a good coach in England or at Liverpool. Um, I think he's lining up the French job. and I can't He hates see football. I think you'd yeah. be out football as soon as you can. They yeah. they they actually joke about Zidane in, in Spain because apparently he didn't even like it when he played it. Like <laughs> he just he was just so good just at good it. At it. That, yeah. that was his what thing. He didn't like even that, like it. Yeah, so and even apparently now at Ram he's already told Madrid that he's gonna walk. Yeah. Look, you won't win three Champions Leagues on the bounce and be a bad coach, but like you said, Keith, he's walking for his damn or less like yeah. that's what it is. <laughs> Perez is literally is father father figure to him since the whole time so I think Zidane be well gone out of football by the time we're looking for the manager because yeah. I just don't think that he, he has any I don't real, think he'd be looking at going abroad yeah he's exactly. boring anyway don't want anyone boring he's a baldy he's but so he's alright with me oh, yeah. <laughs> so Gav, before <laughs> we wrap up mate I've just seen the, the news there do you want to give everyone an update on the, the key and strong campaign yeah I- I'm just watching. I'm just. I've been watching all through the show. Um, I I look down an awful lot during shows. People tell me that. People think I'm blind for fucking <laughs> mad stuff. Uh, genuinely, one fella said to me after the show, I can't remember who it was. So I thought you were blind, and I was like, yeah, I, that's a fair show because I just constantly look down because I'm watching screens and all sorts. But I was watching my phone. But in the last couple of minutes, that's the comments um, in braille. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy daughter reading them out me here doing sign language to me. Um, but um. Yeah, look, it's in the last couple of minutes, it's just flashed up that um, the, it has sold out all 499 tickets have Brilliant. sold. So um, we've done it in less than a week, in less than a fucking week. I'm absolutely thrilled. And um, we gave ourselves a month to sell them tickets. And in what day is today? Wednesday, in five, I think it's about five days and four hours, we have sold all them tickets. So it's absolutely brilliant. so no better way to finish the show then lads on that good news um just for for those watching don't forget go check out footballprizes.co.uk uh lads it's been an absolute pleasure i actually feel a little bit better now about everything that's going on in the world of liverpool hopefully everybody watching does too um and fingers crossed we'll be able to get all three of you back on maybe next wednesday and we'll uh yeah we'll make this a regular thing yeah absolutely we have to um just ignore grizz just (laughs) <laughs> no, we're not. We're not on tonight, Chris. Um, but no, between between us three and Chris, we'll we'll definitely have three of us yeah. on every week if possible. Yeah, good stuff. Right, everybody Gav, at home, look after yourselves. Just go, go on, Sean. Before I finish up, Gav, Kieran uh, Antoine. I haven't seen him in tonight, but uh, fantastic job regarding the Kane Strong thing. It's really unbelievable what the lads are doing. Everyone who's bought tickets as well. So. It's just an unbelievable cost to sell out so quick because I know Gav was pulling his hair, hair out thinking they wouldn't go, but they're at the ground like fucking. Yeah. Now. yeah, I, I said if, I said it from the start. It was um, it it was his it was his idea. It was his idea, and I just helped him. Um, with with obviously people we know, we can get prizes and stuff like that, and. The sponsor, Football Prizes, who's the sponsor of this show tonight. I'm delighted it's sold out while they're sponsored, by the way, because yeah. they're the lads that are logistically running the forest and aren't taking a penny. He literally said, sell all the tickets, I'll send you the money, and you send it on to them, so um, to the family, which is absolutely brilliant. I want to everyone that's bought a ticket, 
unbelievable. Um, Kieran for the idea. I want to give a shout out to um Laura who's in the chat. Um Laura did put money up last night. She's she didn't buy tickets, what she done was she sent us um a donation, a substantial donation to help us with the sending of the prizes because this could be worldwide, they could go anywhere. So the actual payment of you know the postage and she just said look if there's anything left over just donate it through the to the GoFundMe as well so i wanted to give her a shout out as well that was a lovely gesture as well last night yeah right lads we've got homes to go to and i've got married the first site australia to watch with the missus now <laughs> still so going i'm still going I, yeah. I, i'm on a i'm on a mission to get everybody yeah. watching that show so uh no it is it's it's cheesy tv at its best mate very much but uh, so. now, thanks, lads. Really good to see, good to, to see you all and everybody in the chat. Uh, these these shows wouldn't be what they are without the comments. Thank you, everybody, for sending them in. Keep them coming, and we'll be back with you next Wednesday on the midweek fix. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us with whole fruits and organic veggies plus type two collagen. Make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the Stretch and Flex smoothie in tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Sports Social Podcast Network.